Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to episode 12 of the Beauty Podcast with Emma G, where I am joined by the very special guest, Nadine Baggett. Here are some facts about Nadine. She's a beauty journalist with over 25 years experience. She's the health and beauty editor of Hello Magazine and regularly appears on This Morning Talking All Things Beauty. Last year, she launched the YouTube channel The Beauty Know It All. So those are the facts. I've known Nadine for around 15 years, and to say she is a goldmine of information just does not cut it. When I arrived at um, her home to do this podcast, we hadn't seen each other for a few months, and as we're both talkers, we got so deeply into a mega catch-up that we talked pretty much non-stop for an hour, and we did that really annoying thing where we interrupted each other mid-sentence and said, ooh, remind me to tell you about such and such in a minute when you finish this story. And of course, we never get there and the conversation goes all over the place. Um, but we had a great time. If you ever watched Friends, you may remember there was an episode where Phoebe became a hit with kids at a nursery for being the lady who tells the truth. In beauty, Nadine is pretty similar. She tells it straight and she doesn't sugarcoat it. And it's not just because she's got the gift of the gab, it's because she really knows what she's talking about. She might be opinionated, but by Jiminy is she informed. Her sources aren't secondhand. Nadine is the real deal. If she says it, it's because she's done the research and she's done her homework. And it's why she has such an incredible reputation. I'm not joking when I say she's a goldmine, which is why I was so pleased to have the opportunity to sit down with her for this show. And what was even more fun, in a way, is that we didn't structure any kind of agenda. Whenever I prep for these podcasts, I do my research and then I make a list of five questions I want to come away with an answer to. And the rest is wherever the conversation takes us. With Nadine, there was no structure, no crib notes or prompts. This was just us chatting and the twists and turns the conversation takes are what would have happened if we'd done it over a Casamigas Reposado with a salt rim, real lime and triple sec over one large ice cube. As I've mentioned before on the show, I'm in the very privileged position as a beauty journalist and presenter to meet beauty experts, brand creators, editors and scientists on a daily basis. And these conversations are one of my favourite parts of what I do. Why? Because I learn so much from each and every single one of them. And it's not always the obvious. Yes, I might learn about their new skincare line or yes, I might learn about some new molecule, but, but it's more than that. I find them incredibly inspiring. Meeting people who are experts in their field and having them share their knowledge is quite something. 
And there's also another factor here in that a career in the beauty industry isn't really one for which there's a blueprint for success. There aren't obvious career paths for celebrity makeup artists, magazine beauty editor or celebrity tanning guru, which is why you'll often hear me ask, where did it all start and how did you do it? Personally, I find hearing other people's stories of success make my ambitions and aspirations feel more possible. There's nothing like it for lifting the mood or making me feel more motivated. Which brings me neatly back to Nadine, who is a guaranteed mood booster whenever you meet her. I'm going to put all the links to Nadine in the show notes, and if you haven't checked out her YouTube channel, The Beauty Know-It-All, then I highly recommend it as time well spent. And you will learn a lot, and be entertained. Nadine is also on social media, the links will go in the show notes too, and she is often sandwiched between Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby on a weekday morning chatting about the latest innovations, trends and developments in skincare. Remember that if you want to get in touch with the show, you can, and I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also on my website, emmagunnawardner.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, a regular hit of exciting news, updates, and a sneak preview of future guests. All details will be in the show notes. But for now, I leave you with The Beauty Podcast with me, Emma G, featuring Nadine Baggett. mentioned in my glorious introduction I am here with Nadine Baggett, Queen Bee as I like to call her and for many years we were rivals weren't we? Well you were on okay and I was on hello but I kind of never really thought of you as rivals no. because I think of you as being a mini me <laughs> just as tall and feel... just as opinionated. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel really happy. I was going to go with the for 10 years, I we were the Alexis Carrington and the Crystal Carrington of... Yeah, I'm definitely Alexis. I'm the older one. See, I think... Well, I, I'm and you're the younger, winner. prettier one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't be ridiculous. I like, well, there was a sense that for a while, I think people thought that we were arch rivals because we would fight over exclusives for... But we weren't. No. Which is why it's funny. Here I am in Nadine's living room and she let me pass the threshold without any issue. So... We are talking to you today about all things beauty. This is the beauty podcast overall, after all. Um, let's first talk about how you got into it. I kind of got into beauty by accident. I knew I wanted to be a journalist. But even then, it's not, I'm not one of those children that was running around working for the school newspaper or even the university newspaper or anything like that. So I, I grew up in a really small village in on the Hampshire Surrey borders and my overwhelming feeling growing up was I just don't belong here so I knew that I had to get out I knew I had to go to London I had to go to a big city so I just sort of knuckled down and I was really boring and I just studied so I could go to university and then I got to university and the first day I just walked around London and just thought this is where all the cool people are. I get it. This is where all the people. Did you go to university? Yeah, UCL. Yeah, no, I no, no. I went to I went to university in London, and the first day I turned up, I just looked around at everybody, and I just thought, this is where everybody is who gets me, who dresses like me, and doesn't really fit in in a small town. This is everything I thought it would be. <laughs> and um, and then when I graduated, I kind of sat, sat up and thought, what the hell am I going to do? 
um, and I didn't want to go home, so I had to get a job. And I was temping at an agency, and a job came available on a magazine. And it was a really boring trade magazine. And I went in, and I was working in the ad team as a, a kind of you know dog's body basically and I used to look over those sort of short partitions and I'd see the editorial team and they were the most glamorous women and they you know and they worked for this really cool guy and a job became available and I didn't go for it because I didn't think I'd get it in a million years and he rang me up one day and he said um you should go for this job Nadine you know why aren't why haven't you applied for the job as editorial assistant and I said well I'm never, never going to get it am I and he went mm, come on yeah and I went in and had an interview and got the job and and I kind of by accident realised that I've always been a journalist. I'm very nosy, really, really nosy. I'm quite gregarious, I'm quite outgoing. I will always ask the question that everybody wants to ask mm. and nobody dares to ask. So I'm a bit shameless like that. <laughs> I say the thing that everybody thinks and then doesn't dare to say out loud. And I have got a really good short-term memory. So I'm perfect for a weekly and a daily and for TV because... I can take in information really quickly, blurge it back out really quickly, and then a week later I can't remember any of it. <laughs> so I was kind of genetically built to be a journalist. So I did my training there, and then I knew I always wanted to get on a magazine, a woman's magazine, because that's why, you know, it was the era of L magazine, mm. and Marie Claire was launching, and the whole women's magazines were so amazing back in the day. This is the early 90s. This is why all the heroines in romantic comedies all worked on magazines I think they were just held up there yeah. as being and also I just think I do did work for glossy magazines during the time when they were the most glamorous places mm. to work and I worked with some really amazing editors and um and I got into beauty because beauty was associated with health so I knew that the fashion and beauty departments had the most fun out of anybody mm. and I was a features writer I was a trained features writer and beauty was perfect because it was all the fun but combine it with health so you get you get all the fun and all the glamour, but with serious journalism as well. So that's how I ended up doing health and beauty. So it was sort of by accident. I'm not one of these people that's like, you know, a 10-year-old with a notepad. I was never that <laughs> annoying or that creepy. Um, and it's been the best career. I've absolutely loved it. And it's the same with TV. People ask me how I got into TV. Well, TV is notoriously cheap. I mean, even cheaper than glossy magazines. And I was working on a magazine and... I got a phone call from the press office at IPC one day who were a really big magazine publishers and they said, oh, um, it was some weird, obscure digital channel which was just starting up at the time and they said, they want to run your feature as an item on TV. Will you come on and present it? And I was like, yeah, will I? <laughs> this will be fun. Um, and it was brilliant because di digital TV was just starting so nobody was watching it. So you got to learn on the job with like uh, 50 people watching it or mm. something. But the only reason they got me on was because they basically wanted to plagiarise my feature. So they had to get me on to present it. And that's how I started doing TV as well. So it was, it was never really, I never really schemed any of it. It was just sort of organic and it just happened. Did you know when that first time you got on air that you were just like, yeah, I really like TV. This is just for me. No, not really. Because when I played back the tapes, <laughs> I, you just, you freeze when you're on tv for the first time so you just sound terribly terribly like a bbc news presenter <laughs> because i've got a real home county's estuary twang which i don't like in my voice so i just thought i had to be a bit posh to be on tv <laughs> and i remember wearing a red box shoulder jacket it was like <gasps> the early 90s and i remember thinking so because that's what well because that's what people wore on tv at the time yeah. and they were a bit posh with Anne diamond was doing sort of daytime tv <laughs> and it was so stupid and and then 
after watching myself back, because you had to tape it in those days, literally on a VHS, and then yeah. come home and watch it. And I remember thinking, actually, it, it took me a while to realise, and this is a real lesson in life to everybody, full stop, is you can't be anybody else. All you can be is the best version of yourself. So it was learning to accept that you just had to be yourself. And when people watch me on TV now, they go, you're a natural. And I'm going, trust me, you have to learn to be a natural. Mm. And you have, to, you have to dig deep and just think, okay, if the camera hates you, if people hate you, if you're not popular... You just have to get over it. You just have to be yourself. And the, the best people are on TV are themselves. And everybody I've worked with, from Philip Schofield to Fern Britton to Holly Willoughby, they are just themselves on TV. Because I think the minute you try to be somebody else, you just come across as fake. And it's the same with vlog as well. And it's why you're good on TV. You're just yourself. I think oh, you become a slightly honest. more hyped version. Like you're kind of you on a full Pepsi Max. Yes. You on your best day. Yeah, yeah. But you've still got to be yourself. You've just got to be, you can't pretend to be somebody else on camera. It's funny with TV in that what you might feel is a really exaggerated facial expression. doesn't read. No. So you have to go a bit beyond. I've got a really good friend who's a PR, um, who her husband is a TV presenter as well, and he does the Channel 5 history series. And she says she can't bear to watch me or him on TV because we're like an exaggerated version of ourselves. We're like, she always takes the mickey out of me. She always goes, you're like, oh, Nadine. Oh, Philip. Yes, Philip. No, Philip. Absolutely, <laughs> Philip. And I'm like, oh, God, am I really? Because you're not like that in real life. You're like much more cynical and sceptical and scowly. But I think you, if you're going to be on air for like six minutes, mm. you've got to get your points across and you've got to be energised and you've got to be up and you've got to be kind of enthusiastic. Yeah. But you've also got to be yourself. I remember the first time I ever, ever did anything. It was for the news. Um, I think it might have been ITV or BBC. Oh, that's in at the deep end. Yeah, so it was 6pm. And I had to talk about celebrity autobiographies because it was up at the time when all of the, like, the top 10 bestsellers were all celebrity autobiographies. You mean ghostwritten? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Katie Price had written Yeah, I think own. it was Katie Price and Jodie Marsh. Yeah. They were all in the top 10 and I was on the news so it was serious and I was on a panel with like people who actually read books and don't just watch YouTube. And um, they, he fired this question up at me and I had it on planner. The first, and I counted the first six seconds, which doesn't sound like a very long time. Oh, it's forever in TV. But when you are actually can't get one word out of your mouth, oh. it's so painful. You need to find that. I know, that. I do. And run that on Alice and Emma. That's <laughs> genius. So I start off being, oh, yeah, it's like the queen. And now I'm just me. And I kind of don't really watch myself back so much now. See, that's what I find that really interesting because some people say you must, you must, you must get better. Uh, yeah, but I've been doing it for 20 years. This Come on. True. In the beginning, you have to watch yourself because you have to learn the real basics of, you know, only looking at the presenter. If you're doing a piece to camera, you've got to look into camera, you've got to engage. Otherwise, you can't look left or right because mm. you'll look shifty yeah. and you're just nervous and you're not being shifty. So you have to learn all those things and I do live TV, so I have an earpiece in and I've got the director speaking to me. And you have to you have to know where your point is. You have to know where your close-up camera mm. is. You have to know where your two-way camera is. You have to know where your single camera is. So you have to learn all those skills. Um, but now I try not to watch myself back too often um, because otherwise you just... All I think is, oh, my God, why did I wear that dress? And, <laughs> God, you shouldn't have your knees out in public. And <laughs> why didn't you have your roots done? And you should have had a professional blow-dry. And, oh, my God, that mineral makeup is flaring and all those things. <laughs> and people don't even notice those things. No. If you're the girl who always asks the questions and says the things that other people are afraid to, has that ever got you into trouble on live TV? It's, I tell you what, it's actually paid me money because there used to be <laughs> a programme called 
TV's naughtiest blunders or something. And f- not so much with Holly, but with Philip and Fern, who had a really fun, naughty relationship, we would always be making each other corpse and laugh. And uh, yeah, and I used to get paid £250 every time I was in a clip. And it was quite regular as well. Is that because you sent them into you've been playing? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> because this was a program that was just about naughty things that happened on tv and i'd always be in the middle of philip and fern laughing oh about gosh, you know nice. massage gadgets and chocolate body paint and all that sort of stuff so um no i mean you know we might be in problem we might be a problem here sitting with you for a whole hour and mm. not doing anything or saying anything salacious <laughs> but no with, with it with like eight minutes you can kind of keep it together yeah. for eight minutes and it's amazing how you can be really enthusiastic on tv and not swear but in your normal life oh you yeah. would drop the f-bomb immediately if you thought something was amazing you'd be like oh put it on your skin it's effing amazing yeah. <laughs> or more importantly I, more recently i did this morning about eight weeks ago and we were talking about how to cope with winter skin and it was the most highly rated item on the show and everybody loved it and we were talking about masks and winter skin stuff and right at the last minute we were talking about dry skin conditions and Philip turned to me and he went right at the very last minute so I could hear somebody counting down in my ear it's hard out to news like 20 seconds over to you Philip like let's wrap this up and we were like like 10, 9, 8. And Philip said, so what do you think of bio oil? Doesn't bio oil work? Oh, and you said, you, I And I just turned around and I just, the look on my face, despite the fact that I've got Botox, my eyebrows <laughs> are shot through the roof. And I just went, <laughs> yeah, like kind of not so much. And this whole Twitter thing started because bio oil has absolutely no right to say it can get rid of stretch marks and scars. I mean, it has no active ingredients apart from an array of plant oils. So it would be no better than using olive oil. And so so then we end up with this conversation afterwards. And Philip was asking me because he'd had this rash where his glasses were and he wanted to know if he should use bio oil on it. And I helped him out. I put him in touch with a dermatologist. Philip, I'm sure you don't mind me telling that <laughs> on Emma's podcast. But um, yeah, and that was the moment where he just threw something out of left field. Mm. But I just, I've learned you can't, you can't lie on TV and you can't, hide things mm. on tv you've just got to be really honest and it's it's one thing i do in everything i do like all my vlogs and all my tv is i'm really really mm. really honest i, you I think you're like that in life nadine like if i, I am if I but most a... people, you know me most people don't know me in real life so somebody accused me the other day on twitter of writing about vlogging about a cleanser that Estee Lauder have just launched. And I said, oh, I think it's wrongly named because it shouldn't be foaming cleanser because it doesn't really foam. Someone went at me on Twitter going, do you even use the things you vlog about? And I'm like, yeah, the one thing I notice about my vlog and the one thing I'm really keen about my vlog is I have I only vlog about things I really care about. Mm. I only vlog about things I test and I only tell the truth about them. And, and so I basically just wanted to shut her down because she was just trying to take me down. And I'm just like, if you ask me, about anything, I will tell you the truth. I will tell you about the Botox I've had done. I will tell you about the filler I've had done. I will tell you, you know, if I'm paid to do something, if I'm not, if I don't like a product, mm. you know, I just don't see the point in lying. You have to be really true. There's enough face tuning and filters and lying on social media. And it just alienates people and it, it disempowers people. And I'm a feminist and I just don't believe in disempowering women. And I just think you've got to own your shit. Well, yeah, I agree. There's, there's two schools of it. There's the one thing of... You and I don't really play with filters. I've noticed that. You don't do it. I don't. I can't be bothered with it. Because it just... It, I think it's so obvious. And one of my friends will text me and be like, uh, who do you yeah. think you are? 
Um, but then there are huge, huge amounts of people out there who have these really successful, or even just like normal girls who will filter and filter and filter. My and then... niece is 26 and she can filter her face and she's the most beautiful creature you've ever laid eyes on. She doesn't need filtering, you know, the odd spot or something. And she would never dream of putting up a picture without face tuning it. And all of her friends do it. They totally accept that's the way. And that's why the vloggers out there and the makeup artists out there and the beauty editors out there that face tune and filter their faces, that's why I accept the fact that they've got huge amounts of really young followers because my niece would look at them and go, well, of course that person face tunes and filters. I do it. Mm. But I'm trying to speak to a woman over 40 who I don't think they were raised with Facetune and Filter. Mm. And I think if I look at somebody who... I meet somebody in real life that doesn't look like their Instagram pictures. First of all, I think, well, I've been lied to. And secondly, you know, I'm a 53-year-old woman. I think I look okay for my age, but I want to show somebody what a 53-year-old woman looks like in real Mm. life. Why should they see an airbrushed version of me? That will just make them feel bad about themselves and think, why don't I look like that? I'm telling people they can look like me by doing what I do. So therefore, if I'm going to lie and face tune, then I'm lying to myself and to them. This is the thing. I think there's this audience who want the sort of fake reality. And then there's an audience I think it's a very young audience, though. I think the women I engage with and I engage... You know, I started my blog thinking it would be for women over 40. And actually, I've got subscribers and followers of all ages. And young people appreciate my honesty and older people just go, the overwhelming message I get is, oh my God, it's so heartwarming to see a real face. Like, who's your age, who just owns it and talks about how to overcome, you know, lines and pigmentation and grey hair and all those things. And I just think, I just, I couldn't, I I would rather be a failure and be honest than be a success and lie. And I think that what's really interesting about that as well, considering you've had a long career in beauty, is that is this the first time you've properly had that direct interaction yes. with the people that are reading your... Yeah, I mean, when you do live TV, you come off air and then you normally spend about half an hour answering people's questions and all that sort of stuff. So I am used Twitter. to that. Yeah, so, so you... Oh, no, by email. Back okay. in the day, you'd do it on email or okay. you do it on Twitter or stuff like Twitter. You do it on Twitter now, obviously. Um, so I have had that. But that, that direct interaction, and also, you know, when you go into TV, you have a full face of really heavy makeup, and then you are basically key-lighted to within an inch mm-hmm. of your life. So, you know, trust me, I don't look as good as I do on TV, but when you're in your bedroom upstairs or in your office upstairs, and you light yourself, and you, you vlog, you, people are looking at you, mm-hmm. you know, I've got no makeup on in some of my vlogs. I love I'm, that you do that. I'm, I just don't. I don't see the point in not doing it. Otherwise, I might as well just carry on doing daytime TV or doing magazines and being airbrushed with the rest of the world. If you're going to vlog, I think you've just got to be honest and own it. And I like the fact as well, one of your... I love I love your videos, but there's one where you you, you do your like five-minute beauty um, makeup and it is five minutes and it looks incredible. And it's really funny because... <laughs> and there's no that... contouring in sight. Oh my God, no. <laughs> uh, and it's really interesting because I used a cream blusher in that and it flared and it looked really bright and the only criticisms... It, that Oh my God, so the Daily Mail picked up on that when I launched last summer and it was all over the Daily Mail sidebar. And I was like, oh... And they had my ageing huge, like, <laughs> like 20-point lettering. <laughs> 
And I just thought, oh, so what? Oh, you know, um, let's own it. Like I said, own your shit. Mm. That's my motto in life. You've got own to get to a point shit. in your life where you've got to hashtag own your shit. <laughs> and I just own who I am and I own my faults and I own my flaws and I own my successes and all that sort of stuff. And I just thought, and I, I sort of built myself up to reading all the comments underneath because, like, you know, they are ruthless. Right, okay. Like Mum's Net and the Daily Mail... The comment bar, you brace yourself for it. Let's talk and, about that for a second. Okay, but just a quick... And the only... I thought everybody was going to go, nobody wants to see your wrinkled old face. Go away! And all somebody said was two things. They said, oh, she likes really expensive makeup. I don't think Bobby Brown and Mac and Max Factor is expensive when you could be buying Tom Ford, but hey, yeah, yeah. that was a real moment where you realised the majority of people are still shopping in Super Dragon Boots. Get over yourself, mm-hmm. Nadine. And the other thing they said was, that blush is far too 80s. And I was like, I'm sorry it flared in the camera. But the thing I love about that blusher is that when you put it on, it was like, oh, Nadine, has that video gone wrong? But it's the fundamental rule of makeup that I live by, which is it cooks. And actually, when you went away and you did something else, it, it warmed it came into back your skin. And it was all right, yeah. It warmed into your skin and it looked really pretty. Um, but yeah, when you sit down and you read comments, because somebody told me about um, a website, which I can't remember what the URL is, but it was about... Um, it's basically forums of people talking about um, the beauty experts on QVC. And uh, one of oh, the I other, need to see that. One of the other presenters just said to me, never, ever never go into on it. it. Never look into it. Because he couldn't handle it. But when you know that you're going to sit down and you can see that there's however many hundred comments, do you do it with some tequila? No, I just sit down and do it. <laughs> there is nothing anybody can say about me that I have not thought about myself first. But there then, is absolutely nothing. Now, bearing in mind, uh, I think it's 10 years ago next year. 10 years ago next year, I did the Olay ad. And I sold out, really? hashtag, massively, <laughs> according to the industry. I didn't think I did. So I basically did an item on this morning talking about high street equivalents of Hero great skincare products. Is that products. 2007? Uh, it was, yeah, it was about 2007. 2006, 2007. So it could be 10 years ago this year. And Ole approached me because I did Strivectin and Ole. And Strivectin and Ole have the same active ingredient. And the license came off Strivectin and Ole got it. And they were the first people to make this peptide available on the high street. And it's an amazing product. And I still stand by the product. I think it's a really good high street hero. And the active ingredient's available in um, Protect and Perfect. The, with the number the seven one that everybody range. went mad for. So we know the product works. And we know the active ingredient works. So basically, I was approached by Ole... And I'm self-employed and, you know, I went into hard negotiations and got some money from them to do this ad. And it was a big deal in the industry, mm-hmm. you know. A couple of beauty editors had done stuff for Head & Shoulders and Pantene. Kathy Phillips at Vogue had just done something on Pantene. And that's all Procter & Gamble. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah, it's all Procter & Gamble. Anyway, I got loads of flack for it. And people used to shout pentapeptides in the street for me. And for a while <laughs> I became this. It was a really, originally, it was a deliberately done as a disruptive ad. And for a while, I, it was sort of a double-edged sword because, mm. I mean, for the first time in ages, I was, I mean, I paid off my mortgage and I got out of debt and it was a really big deal. Yeah. So I was like 44, something like that. But it was a double-edged sword because it was a deliberately annoying ad and for some people, they hated it. And, and YouTube had just kind of started mm. and it just came to my attention that people did some hideous stuff on YouTube. And I mean hideous, like I got a death threat, I got death threats videos on YouTube. Yeah. And no way. Yeah, yeah. And Procter & Gamble tried to make Olay, um, uh, YouTube take them down and they wouldn't take them down. Anyway, and it was a really big deal because, you know, 
you can find anybody's address anywhere and you know I'm self-employed so it was all out there and everything and I just think I found it really shocking at the time but now I just realize 10 years later that's normal yeah there are hideous trolls out there people say horrible things about people the whole time I like I was so ahead of the curve on that Mm. I've had it I so if somebody says I'm wrinkly and I've got too much blusher on big deal because I've had much more serious things happen. And you've just got to let it go. I, I have to say that little touch of fame has made me realise I wouldn't want to be a Kardashian in a million years or poor Lily Allen or, like, no amount of money is worth it to for that level of trolling or to have your life in danger or anything like that. But, yeah. It's I mean, insane. It's, it's insane. insane. You have to be incredibly tough to do it. And interestingly enough, because you and I have both spent a lot of our time interviewing celebrities, because I've worked at Hello for 15 years, you were okay for a long time. And we interview celebrities, and I think celebrities are really fascinating because I think they have the opposite psychology of a, a sane, normal human being. Yes, they do. So a sane, normal human being, like me and you, are fairly secure inside. Like, you know, you own it, you know what you're good at, you get older... You, especially as you get older, you definitely so you turn forty and you kind of have a software update, and then you turn fifty and you have a software update. So oh, that's an amazing way of putting so it. So you know who you are. Yeah, you've kind of rebooted. You know what you're good at. You know what you're not good at. You know, you know, you, you own your your faults and your flaws and all that sort of stuff. But on the surface, obviously, you're hopefully are fairly. Um, I don't know, kind of accepting of other people you're encouraging of other people so if some people somebody says to me and I remember when I first met you all those years ago and you were like oh my god you know I'd love to do tv and I'm like oh my god if I can do it anybody can do it if I can Mm. vlog anybody can do it I even teach media training um now and I and I tell people you know I've been doing this for 20 years don't think you can learn this overnight but if I can do it you can do Mm. it I'm a b-grade student there's nothing special about me if I can do it you can do it so that's a normal mentality celebrities and narcissists and people who are just egomaniacs have the opposite so they have a i'm the greatest thing since sliced bread on the surface i'm special i'm amazing but deep down inside they're hideously insecure Mm. so they have a flip mentality and it's not just celebrities i know quite a few real you know real people who Mm. who tend to have reputations for being quite difficult they have that reputation that that reverse psychology too so you meet them and I, so many celebrities I've met have this incredibly tough veneer mm. of of just thinking they're the greatest thing since sliced bread and they are utterly unique and amazing. But deep down inside, they're driven to want to be famous by the fact that they're insecure. So they crave yeah. adulation, applause, recognition, fame, way beyond money. They crave it because that's what makes them feel good about themselves. Whereas my taster of fame makes me want to run a mile from it. See, I think it's something else as well. I think it's a lot of celebrities become celebrities because they kind of stood out in their little community. Like Britney Spears, for example, in the little Kentwood, Louisiana. She was always... She stood out. Like, people knew who she was because they are dancing and everything. And my mother always says to me that because of polycystic ovarian syndrome, I had really ugly teens... And she says, I'm not glad that you weren't well, but I am glad that you couldn't rest on your... You couldn't... Um, what does RuPaul say on Drag Race to Courtney Act? You're resting on pretty. Um, don't... That you didn't rely on anything that was given because you actually had to work on your yeah. personality and develop a sense of humour and listen to other people. 
There's another theory, isn't there, that, that celebrities arrest at the moment their emotional progression and their emotional age arrests from the moment they become famous because the moment you become that. super famous, everything is done for you. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So you don't cook, you don't clean, you don't organise anything, you have assistance to everything. So you don't ever become an adult. There's a really famous, there was a really famous reality book, uh, like an expose of um, Hollywood that, that gave this theory, and I agree. And she was talking about Ashton Kutcher, and she was saying Ashton Kutcher became really famous when he was like 15. Mm. So deep down inside, he'll always be 15. So I think it's partly the age at which you become famous, because the best celebrities I've met are people that, who, 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 are amazing at their art and their craft so they do it for that reason not to become famous mm. so people like Kate Blanchett like incredibly smart intelligent interesting mm. woman doesn't really want to be famous for the sake of famous so I get that and then people like George Clooney who became famous when he was like 35 so that he's a great example, he's kind of sane he? and really normal and he's a really nice guy and mm. I've met him and then there are people who became famous when they were really young and the most damaged people I've met yeah. are the people that became famous when they were really really young and then there are people who are just famous for the sake of famous and we you know we know that famous family and like <laughs> it's just like oh it's madness I tell you madness <laughs> well we've met how many of them have you met I uh have you done the momager no I've never met momager <gasps> I've interviewed Kim twice I've in- phone interviewed Courtney and Chloe oh. and I'm interviewing Courtney in two weeks time are you yeah um and I have the chance to go and see Kendall tonight, but I'm not queuing up. But in a huge queue behind a million screaming Kardashian fans at Selfridges to get a pitch taken with Kendall Jenner. I don't want to drive my social media figures. Face tuning, just make it. <laughs> no, she doesn't need face tuning. She's gorgeous. No, I just don't. No, yeah. Like, I, I'm not enamoured by celebrity because having worked at Hello for 15 years, I've seen behind the velvet rope. I've mm. seen behind... The magic curtain yeah and i just i'm not enamored of celebrities at all i reckon this is why a lot of them then go into yoga and spiritual stuff when they have their fame it maybe dips and they're like who am i, I, <laughs> they're I just, like Zoolander. I, but I, mean, I just think you must get to a point where you just need to i mean i understand somebody like angelina jolie there must come a point where you need to give back mm. because otherwise it's just so nefarious and superficial and you might and you know and the really smart ones do go out of their way to do something positive with their fame. And if you don't do anything positive with your fame, you just don't deserve it in the first place. Tell you who has come onto my radar recently, because she's been doing interviews for her directing that uh, Money Monster, 
is Jodie Foster. Yeah. I've listened to her in a couple of podcasts and the woman is fascinating. She doesn't drink the Kool-Aid. She couldn't give a rat's ass about any of it. She was on Graham Norton the other day and she looks like a woman of her age. She is completely at ease with who she is. She's my age. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's also just really smart and the mm. fact that she's gone behind the camera says it all now, doesn't it? I mean, I just think, it, I find it really interesting the celebrities I've met who I've been most impressed with, and Kate Blanche is singularly the smartest, most interesting woman. She's one of the women I follow on social media, even though she doesn't take part in it. Diane Kruger is an incredibly smart, mm. intelligent woman, and I really like her social media feed. I'd love to interview Lena Dunham. Yes. I, I, I like women that put pictures up of themselves that aren't face tuned. So mm. I follow Diane Kruger, Lena Dunham, uh, oh God, um, Naomi Watts. Yes. Uh, not least of all because she's married to the sexiest man on the planet. Oh, are you into Leave Shriver? Oh, is that uh, his name? Yeah, Shriver? what's that series he does? Oh, Donovan. Donovan. Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan. Ugh. <laughs> oh, still my beating goodness, heart. Nadine, that was quite I know. Nice. <laughs> oh my God, it's so sexy. Um, so uh, none of them, they all, all four of those people, and Julia Lewis-Dreyfus as well, they all, they never face you in their pictures. Mm. And, I mean, obviously, you know, they're beautiful anyway. But I, I find that so heartwarming. I, also, I really yeah. love the fact that they just have real-life pictures of themselves. And then there are some celebrities who I follow who do facetune themselves, but I know that they facetune themselves. And I kind of just take everything they say with a pinch of salt. But the ones I really love, and that's what I want to be to people, when I look at Lena Dunham's unretouched pictures or when I look at Naomi Watts's unretouched pictures... It lifts, and Susan Sarandon's unretouched pictures, mm. it kind of it lifts me up because I think, oh God, they're embracing their age and they look real. And they are obviously naturally really beautiful people, but they're not trying to hide who they are. Mm. And that's what I want to be to somebody. I want somebody who's 40, who's having a really rough day. I don't want them looking at an airbrush picture and thinking, why don't I look like that? I want to mm. look at them and think, oh my God, she's kind of looked after her skin. I could be like her in 10 years time. That's what I want. Yeah. And is that the feedback that you get in your comments and stuff? Yeah, most, the most common, fee- common feedback I get. I mean, apart from the fact, like, what can I use on my skin? Because Have you become like a beauty agony aunt via your Yeah, oh yeah, media? absolutely. A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, you know, how can I clear up my acne? How can I clear up my rosacea? What do I do to get rid of hair? Do lasers work? All that sort of stuff. Um, but the most common feedback I get is it's just so refreshing mm. to see a woman who's you, my age... Or older, you know, because you just don't see that many women out there who are... You do become... I'm far from invisible, for God's sake. Like, I'm six foot tall and I want Grace and Perry in a bloody dress when I walk down the road. <laughs> Trust me, nobody's not looking at me. I'm a really tall woman and I've got blonde it's hair. because you've got amazing hair. And, and I'm really loud. And I'm really... I have got Kate Moss's boobs. That true. the only part of me that has an age. Um, so I... Yeah, so I... I'm far from invisible. I understand why people feel invisible because they're not reflected back at mm. them. So that, that there aren't old women in ads, there aren't many older women on TV. So when you see them on social media owning who they are, um, and, you know, even if I follow Madonna and she's got a face full of villa, but at least I like to see an older woman being reflected back. Mm. Because otherwise, if you just spend your whole time in Topshop, then you're just going to feel old. Whereas if you hang around with women who embrace their older age or who are the age you are or slightly older and they embrace it and they're successful mm. and they're driven and they're owning themselves, then you don't feel alone. You feel like you're reflected back. So yeah. you should create your social media to reflect back what you are and what you want to become. Yeah. 
It's as opposed to the veneer of I've lived the perfect life when actually... It's Otherwise, nonsense. you're just going to end up with FOMO. Like, you're just going to end up with a fear of missing out or why don't I look I'm like so that. I'm so into JOMO at the moment. Oh, God, I enjoy him. I wake up... <laughs> text you later. ...in my bed at, like, 8 o'clock because the best thing about being self-employed is never having to have an alarm apart from when I do morning TV. I wake up in my bed at 8 o'clock and I, the first thing I do is I pick up my phone and I look at social media and I see other beauty editors on Eurostar at 7.30 in the morning and I just think... Thank heavens I'm not on Eurostar at 7.30 in the morning. Thank heavens I'm not queuing up to see Kendall Jenner and have my pitch taken with her to drive my numbers at 9 o'clock this evening. I just, that's not what I'm about. I would rather sit down and meet real people and talk to them about their issues because real women are just, they're just much more interesting than celebrities. That, I have to say, since working on QVC and the people who get in touch with me on my social feeds... It warms my cold black heart when somebody asks me for, for some advice and then they come back later and, and say, they say that's really helped me. Thank you. I had a, I did a, some radio interviews the other day. Actually, I uh, was sponsored by Philips and uh, the, this young PR was there and I was doing all this radio stuff because um, it was obviously how I pay my bills. And um, and when I came off, and she was really young, she's about twenty five or twenty six, and this is the generation who are addicted to YouTube mm. and who are addicted to Facetune. And we were talking about various different things. And she said to me, I think I told her how old I was. And she went, oh, my God, you've got really great skin. What's the secret? And I went, well, you know, what do you want to know? And she went, oh, I've got really bad skin. Like, and a lot of really young girls have really bad skin because they basically... Are they overstimulated? No, they wear too much makeup and they don't cleanse it off. So basically they are trying to be a Kardashian. And to be a Kardashian, you have to wear a lot of makeup. Yeah. Far too much makeup. And my niece is the same, and they all face tune their pictures, so they face tune their, so they look like they've got amazing skin, and they don't have amazing skin. And she said to me, "I just don't know what to do with my skin. It's like it's really bad." And I just said, "Right, what do you do?" And she went through her list, and she went through all her makeup, and she had a lot of makeup on because it's a vicious cycle. Because when mm. your skin starts to break out, you put more mineral oil-based concealer on your skin. Mm. And I just said, "Right, you need to start using mineral makeup. Molecules really big, and you're going to have to come off the concealer for a little while." You need to go out and buy yourself a salicylic-based toner. You need to wipe your skin over with it every single night. Use a rinse-off creamy cleanser, salicylic toner every night. Your skin will clean up within two or three weeks. And she emailed me to go, just let you know, I'm leaving the PR. And and I just went out and I bought the Paula's Choice 2% BHA salicylic acid thing. And for the first time ever, I can go without makeup. And I feel so much better about my skin. I'm like, okay, that's really nice. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. What vlogs are you watching that aren't telling you this? Because surely the whole point of your generation is you don't read magazines anymore. Mm. You don't watch TV. You stream stuff on YouTube. So who are you watching? Because you can't watch somebody who's crying on YouTube going, oh, I can't get out of bed. Here's my lovely house. Here's my flowers. I've got two million followers. Watch somebody that is teaching you things mm. and telling the truth. Because yeah. otherwise I don't see the point of it being... But then the point is... Otherwise, it's anti-social media. It's not reality. Hashtag anti-social media. Has anyone said that? I have not heard that before, and that's my favourite thing that's happened to me this week. (laughs) Anti-social media. You need to get out more. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) Otherwise, I just... I think the whole point is... When I grew up, I mean, I loved Marie Claire and Elle, and I thought they think they were far more feminist than they are, and they were far more inclusive than they are now. And I just think... We were criticised because we promoted airbrushed ideals. I don't know if that was the truth. But at least you picked up a magazine and you knew it was escapism, mm. yeah? So you knew you were suspending reality. It's yes. like, like watching a 
The Matrix with Keanu Reeves. You knew it wasn't real, but you just went along for the ride. Willing suspension of disbelief. Absolutely. But with social media, I don't know if people realise that they're so not right. getting reality. And, and there is a reason why levels of anxiety and depression are going through the roof in young people. And I think social media is to blame. <gasps> I absolutely like think that, that. Because I never, ever felt anxious when I was younger. I was never depressed. And there's this amazing article that you have to find the link on and put it under this. And it's like, why Generation Y are so unhappy? And it basically says happiness is reality minus expectations. Okay? Mm -hmm. So happiness is reality minus expectations. My generation grew up with no expectations. My parents never told me I was smart or funny or special or pretty. My parents just told me they loved me and that if I worked hard, I could be whatever I wanted. Mm. Generation Y are brought up to believe they're special and smart and beautiful and pretty and amazing. And if they have a sex tape or they wear loads of makeup and if they put extensions in and square off their eyebrows, they can, can become a Kardashian. Or if they go on X Factor, they can be famous. Mm. So you have a whole generation of people who have unrealistic expectations so their expectations are super high yeah and then their reality is unbelievably low it's and their happiness true. is is just dependent on something that is never going to happen you're not special you're not beautiful you are unique to your parents and your parents love you and should always be there for you mm. and i had the most blissful wonderful working class um upbringing my, both my parents worked in factories and i was a latchkey kid but I was so secure because I knew they would do anything for me and they loved me. They never told me I was special because I'm not special. Not everybody is special. Not everybody is beautiful. I will never be Elle McPherson or Kate Moss or Kim, even Kim Kardashian. But because I was raised to think if I worked really hard, I could be whatever I wanted to be, you know, short of being an Oscar-winning actress or a blues singer, which is why I've been in an alternative life. <gasps> that was going to be one of my questions. Um, oh, yeah. I'd be Kate Blanchett or Billie Holiday. That's what I'd be. Um but because I don't have those skill sets, that's fine. Then when every time I got a job on a magazine or I moved to London and I got a degree or I became a TV presenter, I just spent my whole time going, oh my God, I can't believe that this is amazing. Yeah, you have to it's celebrate so ex- the small wins. It so exceeded my expectations mm. because I didn't really have any expectations. I just knew that if I worked really hard <gasps> and I kept on working, then maybe I'd sort of be successful. But I didn't... This My mind is, a, is blown. It's the most amazing feature. I can take no credit for this. It is a series of child psychologists and mental health experts and amazingly clever people out of America, out of all the best universities that have come up with this formula. And I then go out to my friends the whole time and I go, you need to stop telling your children they're special and beautiful and amazing and that they can be Kim Kardashian or whatever. You just need to say to them, I love you more than anything. Whatever you do, I will love you. And if you work really hard then the chances are you can be something incredible in life, whatever you want to be. You can be a nurse or a doctor or whatever. I, it's, there are no shortcuts it's to so it. so true. Every, I think everyone goes onto that stage on the X Factor, to those blind auditions, expecting to get four yeses. Mm. The expectation is what lets them down. Yes. They get up and they sing like a dying sheep. Whereas I was raised in a small town. And, and the other... Sorry, so to go back to that, Expect, happiness is expectation minus reality Amazing. sort of thing or even reality minus, minus your expectation yeah. it works both ways but I just think what is 
what is really interesting as well is when I grew up and left school and and I was never the prettiest girl at school I was never the most popular girl at school I was never the smartest girl at school I was always that b grade person um, who was told this should work harder um if there was a girl in my class who was really beautiful and went off to become a supermodel I didn't know because you left school and Prior to Friends Reunited. Oh, yeah. Hello, remember Friends Reunited? You didn't keep in touch with anybody from school. You found out ten years later. You found out only when they appeared, like, in my school, the most famous person who graduated from my school ended up um, going to the Olympics, and she was one of the fittest girls in my school. She was amazing. And her younger sister was my best friend. And so you, you just happened to watch on, turn on TV, like, 15 years later, and there she was, like, coming eighth in the Olympics or whatever. You know, that was the amazing thing about it. Nowadays... Children are raised to believe that they're special and amazing and then they kind of go out in the real world and realise they're not that special and amazing and then they're sad and depressed and anxious about mm. it. And then they log on to social media and everybody is giving them the highlighted, face-tuned version of their life and they're comparing themselves to that, which is not real. So they feel completely disenfranchised. So they are completely disenfranchised. They're living in a world of economic um, downturn. So there aren't the opportunities that I had growing up and I was really lucky. Mm. So basically they're kind of screwed from yeah. every angle this feature you should put the link below this it's the most to. amazing thing i've read and it completely explains why depression and anxiety is through the roof amongst young people and the best thing about getting older is god i wouldn't want to be young today now i think they have it so tough gosh the idea of that so many times i just want to come off all social media mm. and i and i don't because of for obvious reasons but oh, I, I only do social media for work mm. i wouldn't do it if if I if it wasn't part of my job to do it, I think you have to remain relevant, and I think social media used intelligently mm. and knowingly can be really good fun. Yeah. But I remember saying to my niece when she, I mean, she's got a degree and two masters, and um, she's actually learning to code now to do web design, and oh, she wow. has a an online um, uh, vintage clothing store and everything. But she got wrapped up in it when she was about twenty three. And she started getting a bit sort of upset about it and depressed. And I just said, you, you need to stand back from this. You know that you don't look like your pictures, even though you're, you know, for God's sake, she was scouted by Model's One when she was 14. She's beautiful. You know your friends don't look like that. Mm. Why do you think everybody else is telling the truth? If you're all lying, like, be mindful. That's the other thing that generation is. They use the term mindful, but they're not actually mindful. Be mindful about mm. what you do. And, and... Take in social media in a mindful way. Take in magazines in a mindful way. Stand back from know it. Know yourself. Own yourself. Own your shit. Own your shit and know yourself. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard. I mean, let's be honest. I, you know, if I was 35, you know, I was much more insecure at 35 than I am now. It, you, one of the best things about getting older, apart from the alternative, is death. <laughs> one of the best things about getting older is, is just becoming much more secure in who you are mm. and realising you'll only ever be you. You can't judge yourself by how other people see you and you can't judge yourself by other people's standards. You can't. Otherwise, you're on a hiding to nothing. Otherwise, you might as well be famous yeah, no and be thanks. terribly insecure. <laughs> this has reminded me about that article about... I remember watching, binge-watching Beverly Hills 90210 when I was a teenager um, and feeling really depressed when I turned it off. <laughs> And I was because they all because you didn't live that life because I didn't yeah. live that life and yeah. it's just completely made me flash back to that feeling. But if you think about the modern equivalent of that, and I hate to bring them up again, is the Kardashians. How do we stay so grounded then, Nadine, considering that we are addicted to the Real Housewives? Because oh, well, <laughs> oh my God, see, I love 
I do. I have to say, I do watch the Kardashians. I do watch. You know, I watch it all. I, and I watch the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. You know, we sometimes start texting each other halfway through. And I, I think because I know it's not real and it's so obviously scripted and so obviously badly acted. <laughs> um, but for me, I, the reason I watch The Real Housewives is because at least they are, a lot of them are my age. And I like to see women my age reflected back at me, even if it's ridiculous. So I love Lisa Vanderpump. See, oh. I'm obsessed at the moment with Erica Jane. Erica, I just think Erica she's Girardi. amazing. It just Pat the puss. Pat the puss. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to mean anything to your listeners, honestly. She's only like 42 or something. But I though. like the fact I like the Have fact you ever noticed that, that Scott Barnes is a makeup artist? Really? Scott Barnes is her makeup artist. And Did she he, fly him out to Dubai with a glam squad? Yeah. <gasps> and Frank Galasso, who Scott Barnes' boyfriend, is her hairdresser. And Mikey is her choreographer, who used to be with the Pussycat Dolls. Now, I don't mean to disparage Frank or Scott or Mikey, but they're now working with her instead of Jennifer Lopez and the Pussycat Dolls. Um, Frank Scott Barnes is an amazing makeup artist. Uh, amazing. I he, like was, he was... Um, Scott Mario Mario Dadavianovich prior to Mario Dadavianovich. So if the, if Kim Kardashian was around ten years ago, she'd have had Scott Barnes. He was the guy that originally brought back contouring. Like obviously, you know, lots of people did back in the day. Mm. Um, Kevin O'Quan and Max Factor and all those people. Um, but yeah, he was the first person who, when I was a beauty editor, he was the one I wanted to interview. I actually did interview Kevin O'Quan before he died. He was amazing. He was the loveliest man. Um, and Mario, beautiful range actually like beautiful range of products he had nothing to do with any of them though <gasps> he died of a brain tumour years and years ago um, the, the sculpting is still really great he is he was such a genius makeup artist and Scott Barnes again another genius makeup artist such a sweet guy he's really lovely um, and actually Mario is really nice I totally understand why these people work with their clients for 10 years because Mario is completely loyal, very talented, really sweet, really down to earth. Scott was completely loyal to um, Jennifer Lopez for 10 years. It's I like mean, they have the ability to transform those people's faces. I interviewed Lulu years ago when she launched her skincare Dang. range. Was this in the garden at her house? Yes. I remember. You and I always used to line up behind each other to do the interview. And she told me that Scott Barnes did her makeup. So she was booked to do American X Factor. And is this when she came out of the doors and she was a bit late? And she, yeah. Yeah, and it was on repeat in her lounge. Yeah, absolutely. And um, she, uh, she basically said to me, we must have been talking about Scott Barnes, and I said, he's a genius makeup artist, I'd love him to do my makeup. And he does this thing, so he does sculpting before anybody did sculpting or anybody was talking about sculpting. So he takes you back to, he basically almost makes your face black and white, so it's like deep brown and white mm. and then he puts the makeup on on top and he started doing that and she was dozing off she said she was jet lagged and she was dozing off and she's like a woman of a certain age and she was dozing off before doing x factor which was a huge job and she looked up and she said she, she almost looked like a black and white minstrel back <laughs> in the day i think that's how she referred to it. so like she had this amazing sculpting and she was like oh you are kidding me i'm about to go live in front of billions of people in america and they went, no, calm down, calm down, trust him, trust him. Anyway, and he, she had, and then he did the eyebrows and the colour and the contour and all that sort of stuff. And she said she had so much makeup on, she was like, I am going to look. And I, you know, I mean, she must have been 60, yeah, probably even then. Ago, yeah. And she was like, I'm going to look awful on camera. I'm going to look so bad. And by then it was too late and she like had to go out and everything. And she said she played the film back and she'd never looked so good in her life. And that's what a great makeup artist mm. can do. I mean, they 
literally can transform your face. And I remember interviewing Kevin when he launched his book. And if anybody is listening to this, you need to go and find the book. And basically, he takes celebrities <laughs> and transforms them. So he takes like Demi Moore and transforms her into an old Hollywood icon or Drew Barrymore into a whole Hollywood icon. And that's when you realise the power, transformational power of the makeup. And I interviewed him for it and he was just the loveliest guy. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because as a feminist, I'm like, how do I feel about working in the beauty industry? And I just think, part of me thinks that in an ideal world, nobody should have to wear makeup. Mm. But then I also see how empowering it is. I've oh, seen yeah. Tightliner used on a woman going through chemotherapy that's lost her eyelashes from a makeup artist and made her cry that she looked beautiful mm. and normal and it made her look like she had eyelashes and put eyebrows back onto somebody's face so you realise how empowering it is. I just think we shouldn't be under pressure to wear it every day. Do you yeah. ever go out without makeup? Do you know what? Yes, but not recently because I really have been looking dog rough recently. <laughs> you never look rough. You're no, I, my eye just, just look unwell recently. I don't know if it's because I haven't seen sun since... For like a few months. Well, I tell you what I think. I think I, <laughs> most days I don't wear makeup and, you know, delivery guys knock on the door and you can oh, see... Oh, my postman. You can see I them am. looking at Nadine Bag at Health and Beauty Editor and they look at me and go like, are you kidding me? Um, and I have would have no problem walking down the road with no makeup on. I would feel weird going into town and I wouldn't do appointments without makeup because I think people expect me to look a certain way. Um, and I'm far from brilliant at doing my makeup. I always do like a quick five minute face kind of before I go anywhere. The other thing I've realised is people say they're invisible when my age, they're my age. If I walk down the road with my hair back in a, you know, tie and no makeup on, no man will look twice at me. If I put some makeup on and walk down the road with my hair done, I will turn heads. Mm. That's how shallow men are. <laughs> they say they don't like makeup. But oh my god, they do. They do like makeup. They like natural looking makeup, but they just do like makeup. Totally. I just, not that I would, but I would like to go to a nightclub, maybe in Newcastle, maybe where Geordie Shaw is filmed. And I would like to see what girls look like who've done all the contouring and they've got three layers of goodness knows what else. I don't think you have to go anywhere outside of London. I think all young girls, in my humble opinion, wear far too much makeup. I just and it is see, the Kardashian effect. I just want to see what it looks like at 3am when they're in the kebab house and they've got a bit of garlic sauce and chilli sauce. I remember Scott Disick, who I am a huge fan of. Love I remember Scott. Scott Disick saying to Kylie one day when she'd undergone all that Simon Urian work and she'd had her lips done and everything. And she's like the specials song she's done too much much too young like married with a kid when you should be having fun with it that kind of thing and and she was 16 yeah, maybe she was young. She was 17 little, yeah. and i remember scott Bar- scott disick saying to her she came in one day it was on the show and he, she said something like something the way i look and she had all her extensions and then he went oh god you look amazing you look about 35 and she was like what because that's what when you're 16, you should look like you're the best version of a 16-year-old. Yeah. You should look amazing and your skin should be clear and you should have your natural hair. And But Kendall Jenner could be 35 mm. because that's what happens if you have loads Kylie, of makeup. Okay. Kylie, sorry. You could, you have Kendall's your lips, kept it real. You have your lips... Yeah, right. <laughs> you can spot things a mile off. Oh, really... my God. It's the subtle surgeries that make somebody look amazing. Simon Urian is very, very talented, as is Raj Kanodia, who's Hollywood's nose doctor. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you take Kendall, Kylie's makeup off and Kendall's makeup off, they are both 
well, especially Kendall is an incredibly pretty young girl. Mm. And now Kylie's had all her work done. She's an inc- incredibly pretty young girl. But in some ways, they look more... To me, they look more pretty without their makeup on. Mm. And I just think it's okay wanting to look like that when you're 16, but what are you going to like when you're 35? Because, honestly, that little freckle-faced girl, those two freckle-faced Jenna girls, they suddenly look the same age as their older sisters, and their older sisters are 15 years mm. older than them. And I just think... Oh my god! Oh, I don't know. It's just because I'm old. But embrace when you're young. Embrace your you youth. Can't get it back. You'll never ever be able to get that back. And I just think, oh my god, to do all that too soon—that's also being famous from a really young age. But I just think they have so much power and influence on people. And all those girls that did that, you know, Kylie Jenner lip challenge and. Oh my god! If you go on to if you go onto forums and these people are buying these because Kylie the Kylie Jenner lip kits are not available in the UK, so you have to buy them and then you have to pay loads of import duty on them and they end up being like sixty quid. It's the same technology in Maybelline matte lips. It, oh my god! Seriously, read the ingredient. Is this read the ingredients label or it's is this- not read the ingredients label? It's that there are four big factories in the world that make makeup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's all the same stuff in different packaging. It really is. And if you look at the holding companies like L'Oreal, like the product that comes out from Longcom will filter its way down to Maybelline mm-hmm. and L'Oreal Paris. The product that comes out from Estee Lauder, I mean, I guess will filter its way to the Estee Edit. There is no high, high street equivalent from Estee Lauder. It's all kind of pretty mass market. Once you've got that makeup on your face, nobody knows where it comes from. And these, that technology is available everywhere. I just, it drives me mad when people spend loads of money on makeup. It drives me bonkers. I understand why people should spend money on skincare, but never spend loads of money on makeup. Bonkers. Well, I'm obsessed with colour revolution palettes. And also, can I just say, bourgeois... Now they're owned by Coty, sadly. They used to be owned by Chanel for years. Mm. Their quads were virtually identical. I mean, it, you could only have to look at it. Yeah, to know, side by side. And I remember writing a piece about it in Hello and the Daily Mail, because I could get away with it in the Daily Mail. But that's the thing about glossy magazines, is nobody ever writes that in a glossy magazine. I mean, I MAC is amazing. I love MAC. I love Bobbi Brown products. I love their colours. I love their formulations why anybody would pay more than that for makeup beggars believe it's true isn't let's it? where, and where do we start on skincare oh well that's gonna have to be another podcast i hate to say it but we have come to the end of our time with nadine and we haven't even talked about skincare let's do another one I and we'll so. bust some myths <laughs> about anti-aging skincare that's a great idea so maybe once this has gone live um you can Email in your questions via the website to Nadine, to me. Just use the hashtag EGPodcast. And then next time we do this... We'll answer some questions. We'll answer all the questions and we'll tag you in our replies. Nadine, thank you for what is part one. I think this should be an epic series. I don't think we kept to any script at all. I think I just gabbled on. <laughs> it was amazing. I'm sorry, Generation Y, if I've upset you. Um, well, yeah, you, you, might, you might suffer an incident. At least you've death. got nice collagen. <laughs> At least you're not wrinkly and old like me. Well, until next time, Nadine. Au revoir. (laughs) 